challenger from Aaron's Creek, Virginia, weighing 229 pounds, Kingman Adam Page. And his opponent, accompanied by Don Callis from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, and never. Champion reeling. Omega walked right into two shots. They hadn't did Hangman Page. He's lost his momentum that he was building just a few moments ago. Now he's got to do something to get it back, and that's going to take a big move or two. This is to take some big offense. Turning punches might not get it done. Hangman Adam Page, high whoa. That'll help. That boot side the head was a good one. Omega intercepted the shot. Oh, the right hands. Hangman down to one knee. And Kenny laid him in, buddy. Impressive right hand by, by the champion. Oh! And defiant Hangman Adam Page. It's kind of like a standing V-trigger there, wasn't it? Knee strikes to the side of Hangman's head. He's going for it here. Oh, Mick. Oh, Hangman. Intercepts. You're still he in it, the V-trigger. He caught it. You're still in it. Paintbrush shots from the challenger. Omega covers up. Here he goes. Bang! Oh, my God. He caught him. Omega back at control. Going for it again. No. Rolling elbow strike. No. Cut it's back and forth. These men are exchanging some heavy, heavy-handed blows. Look how spent both men are. Look at this. They're, they're kind of leaning on each other. This is incredible. Hangman. Oh, look at this. Kawada kicks from Kenny Omega. Oh, look at that. My God, I got a new face. Did you hear that? A defiant oh, Adam Page. From downtown. What a, what a clothesline. What a, what a lariat. Whatever the hell you want to call it, it was amazing. Chanting AEW once again for the appreciation of the battle that we are seeing. On the the Young Bucks hangman Adam Page uh, dipshit alert, said if the Young Bucks interfere in this match, he will make it his life's mission to ruin them. He said that last night on Rampage. Well, this cannot be the way this goes down. Please. Mets nodding at him. Just get bucks shot!
Young Bucks refused to be in Hangman's Corner the first time he challenged for the AEW World Championship, but they were in his corner tonight. What a moment for this young man from Virginia. And he's going to go back to his home state as champion on Wednesday night. Boy, it was a long route. A lot of guys that have, that have called in at work and said, I don't want to do it anymore. This kid's got a great work ethic, great grit. Oh, man. And now he's a champion. This is a great moment. This is a hell of a moment. I'm so glad I'm sitting here being able to call this one with you guys. Big moment for this man just had a young son. And daddy's coming home, young man, as a champion. You come here to hurt me, and I come here to maim you. For some of you, and that is that life sucks, and then you die. Doubt you've ever been in a real street fight. It looks at that pretty face. I don't think you've ever taken a punch before in your life. Now, now it's I. It's I for an eye. Now it's you. You take one of mine, and I take two of yours. Here there. Sitting at home. Acknowledge it's Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood, WWE, AEW, MLW, NWA, New Japan, the Indies, and more. It's the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday show with Jonathan Hood. What's up, everybody, and welcome into Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT at WrestlingTWT as we talk to you about AEW Full Gear emanating from Minneapolis, Minnesota and the Twin Cities. We'll hear from my buddy Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net. He's in Minneapolis. And so he was there for all the festivities all weekend long for AEW. So we hear from Jason Powell, my buddy, coming up in a little bit. And don't forget that this podcast is proudly brought to you by Manscaped.com. Manscaped.com. Make sure that you go to Manscaped.com for below-the-waist grooming. For guys, you know that you've got hair hanging in places that you didn't even know you had places. (laughs) Whether that is your ears or your nose or other places, especially below the waist. Hey, that's why you go to Manscaped.com. Use the promo code HOOD, my last name, H-O-D, and save 20%. The holidays are right around the corner. This is a great gift, I think, for someone, yourself, or for someone. So again, if you're going to use Manscaped, make sure you go to Manscaped.com. The 4.0 trimmer is terrific for below-the-waist grooming. You need to be able to get that hair off your chest. You want to be make sure that you are streamlined and looking good. Good for the holidays. So check out manscaped.com. Again, the promo code is hood and save 20% off. Let's talk about AEW and the show that they had in Minneapolis with full gear. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter what the ratings are every Wednesday, every Friday. It doesn't matter what happens on elevation or dark. It doesn't matter whether or not there are fans in the stands or not. If it's an empty arena or if there's 20,000 screaming fans. You know what really matters? What really matters is, is when you have a great wrestling card that everyone will remember. 
Wrestling ultimately is about moments, isn't it? Think about your favorite wrestling moment. And think about how you felt in that great wrestling moment. Ultimately, we get into this granular detail on ratings and cum and you know the, the average age of people that are watching. Listen, all that information is available to us because we're on Twitter. We're on wrestling Twitter, so I get that. But ultimately, it is about whether or not you have moments you can remember on Supercards. And there are plenty of moments to remember for Full Gear for Minneapolis. As you just heard in the open, Hangman Adam Page defeated Kenny Omega for the AEW World's Championship. Now, some will say that this is like the longest storyline in modern wrestling history because it's lasted over two, three years. I would say it was so start and stop. I can't say that Page and Omega was this great long-form rivalry. There were hints of what was going on between Page and Omega, but it wasn't consistent. It wasn't 52 weeks of consistent storylines to remind you that, hey, these two don't like each other or these two are breaking up, all this stuff, right? So what I will say is, is that this match was the best match on Full Gear. Because of all the stuff that we knew, the video packages help a lot to try to make you remember why these two are wrestling one another. And so when I see Adam Page and Kenny Omega go at it for 25 minutes for the AW World Championship, I'm like, wow, this is really, really solid. Now, there was some interference from Don Callis at times, and he saw the Young Bucks come down to ringside. Now, the reason why that this really stood out is because when the Young Bucks come down, you know there's going to be some kind of outside interference, some kind of shenanigans to kind of ruin matches. Um, I'm all for one-on-one or tag team without having the gaga, the nonsense outside interference. In this scenario, the Young Bucks gave Adam Page the nod saying, hey, I know we were against you. I know we were a team once, but you know what? It's one-on-one. You do what you got to do. And then the big time Lariat and then the one, two, three, Kenny Omega loses and we have a new champion. Anytime Adam Page is out there, no matter what arena, he blows the roof off. People respect Adam Page. Um, Even though I remember being in Chicago watching him against Chris Jericho, he was like the number one against the number 16 seed in the NCAA uh, Final Four tournament. In for basketball. When I saw Adam Page take on Chris Jericho, I don't know if anyone in the house thought that Adam Page was going to win the AEW World Championship. And it's like, okay, so he's a young up-and-coming star, but not ready for the big time. And I never thought that he could win it. He, I think he would have just, again, blown the roof off if he would have won that night um, for All Out a few years ago. But now is the right time. Now is the right time for this babyface Adam Page that people really enjoy, that people like it. They like to uh, chant cowboy shit. This is what they do. And they were really into the character. And so Adam Page, Hangman Adam Page is the world champion. And so I don't, I don't, I think that this rivalry will continue between Page and Omega, but at least with Page being the AEW champion, I can see fresh matches taking place now at Adam Page. And hopefully we'll see that moving forward with him. But I really like this match. And it was just hard hitting and back and forth. And not surprising that Kenny Omega had a great match because he only has great matches. Um, 
when he's in singles competition, he has terrific matches. And again, for this era, for me as an old school wrestling fan, I can see why Omega has appeal. Um, because we saw all he did in New Japan, seeing what he's done in AEW, I can understand why he has these great matches. And he had, once again, another great match against Adam Page. So congratulations to Hangman Adam Page, the new champion. Now, I want to see if there's a rematch in the, in the near future with Page and Omega or some of the other matches, like maybe Brian Danielson and Adam Page. Either way, Page is the champion, and now we're going to see over the next six months to nine months, will the championship make Page, or will Page make the championship? That does matter, for sure. I know he's very popular. It's not one of these baby faces that gets booed like Cody Rhodes. He actually is appreciated and adored by so many AEW fans. So, it's great for him. I thought that was the best match in the card. Let me get to other matches that I really enjoyed. Uh, because I thought that Brian Danielson and Miro were great. There were some other matches as well. But Adam Page, though, after everything was done, I mean, exhausted, sweating, but just overjoyed uh, by being finally the AW World's Champion. Um, this means everything, man. This is... Oh, hey, now I'm going to cry. <laughs> uh, man, this is just everything I've worked for my whole life. I've just put so much of myself into this um, in ways that were tough, very tough, uh, but ultimately very cathartic. Um, and to hear people just losing their shit for it, uh, man, you just can't can't pay for therapy like that. Um, this is one of the biggest moments of my life. Uh, genuinely, sorry. Congratulations again. Um, how significant is it for you to win that belt over Kenny Omega? Uh, the best wrestler in the world. And I beat him. I, there, there's nothing that could be more special. I've known Kenny for so long. I've looked up to Kenny. I mean, probably even before I started wrestling, I was watching clips of Kenny on YouTube. I remember the first time I saw Kenny was, um, you know, the, the Falls Count Anywhere or whatever match outdoors where he takes a hurricane run and rolls down the, the hill or whatever. I, like, I saw that as, as, a, as a kid almost. Um, and, and somehow I, I ended up befriending him. Um, and for a long time, one of my best friends. And uh, now, now bitter rivals. Um, but to finally vanquish the person I've always thought was the best wrestler in the world. Uh, it feels surreal. I don't. It hasn't said it. I guess. Adam, what do you hope to bring to AEW as AEW World Champion? What do you hope your reign signifies in the history of AEW? Cowboy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, it's so tough. Like I, this has just happened for me. Um, so it's very hard to get my thoughts together. And I'm sorry for a lot of these questions. I don't have. Very clear answers, but I have a feeling I will be up all night. I have a feeling I will text my media guy and I'll put out a little press release like I do sometimes. <laughs> Triangle sleeper locked in. What a one-on-one -on -one struggle this has been. The elbows, this is how. He got the stoppage against Eddie Kingston. Nero trying oh, to run in the storm. Gouging the eyes. Gouging the eyes. You may not like it, but it's effective to get out of that triangle. Miro was on the verge of going out. That was desperation. He was also on the verge of getting disqualified. 
How much more can Brian Danielson take? We've listed the matches he's had since he's arrived in AEW, and that's in a short span that he's had all these brutal matches. And now you got to wonder what he's got left. But look at Danielson not backing down. Just standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with Miro, center of the ring, landing shots. Little Miro just... Oh, oh boy, Miro's looked like it like hit me. And he's getting hit all right by, by Danielson. Bill's bruise on the side of uh, Miro's left side of his head. Good God, what a... I mean, we've seen Danielson do this before. He stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with Minoru Suzuki, almost rope-a-doped him. Is that the case here tonight against Miro? Miro inviting those kicks. Wouldn't say that was real wise. Hear that? Leather on flesh. Scoring a wrestling match. What the hell is a struggle? It's a yeah. damn struggle. Miro wants some more of those kicks. Are you sure that's what you want? Miro, his expression changing ever so slightly. But he took three to land one, and that one dropped Danielson again. How much more can a human take on either side? These men have held nothing back. Oh, you're right, JR. Physically intense. Danielson. Yeah, dropped down the one knee there, Excalibur. Hammer and anvil elbows on the top. The elbow strike. Oh, oh wow. Miro just... Firing back with a right hand. Danielson repeated elbow strikes to the side of the head. In a no man's land like territory to be fighting. And one man's on the top. Turnbuckle. Oh, the DDT. Danielson hit a DDT off the top. It stunned him. That may have taken. That may have knocked out. It is. Yes. Oh. My God, he survived it. Contender for the AEW World Title, the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. Wow, uh, that was my second favorite match for Full Gear. Omega and Page lit the world on fire with that main event, but Danielson and Miro were that was a great match. That might have been Miro's best match in AEW, and it was in a loss. Brian Danielson, every time you see him, it's a different way to win. And I like that because it gives variety. Everyone's had their finish, right? Hogan had its leg drop, and Shawn Michaels had his sweet chin music, and Bret Hart had his sharpshooter, and Ric Flair had his figure four leg lock, whatever, right? Everyone, we remember everyone else's finishes. But Brian Danielson brings something different in which every match we see him in, there's a different finish. And so even... Getting Miro in 20 minutes, that was a tremendous match. I really, really like that. And from Miro's standpoint, Miro doesn't take a step back, but Danielson now is the number one contender. So Miro, again, I think is going to be in the mix where he's going to continue to win. He looks good. Now, I like that there's a story about his neck. It says, you know, the weakness for Miro is his neck. But his promos are are tremendous. They're not the silliness that he came, when he came into AW with the hair and the pajamas he was wearing and being with Ethan Page. It just didn't fit, right? Miro is a monster. 
And Miro was already TNT champion. Let's see whether or not he's going to get another championship in 2022. But he's serious, and so is Danielson. So I, I just, Brian Danielson is in his element right now. And for those that never saw Brian Danielson on the indies, this is what you're getting right now. The 2021 Brian uh, Danielson right now, uh, there's a guy there that when he was a Ring of Honor, all, he didn't care about the crowd. He didn't care about anything else besides just trying to put on a great match. And so when you see certain cities around AEW where they're still doing the yes chance, that's what they remember from him in the WWE. You see he hasn't done that, right? Because he's just locked in on being the American Dragon. The American Dragon is a big difference than Daniel Bryan. That is for sure. Uh, please tell Jim Ross that the man's name is Brian Danielson. I refer to him as Daniel Bryan. I didn't, I'm not going to kill him for it, but it's just kind of like you call him Daniel Bryan twice. Uh, as a matter of fact, some of the media has called him Daniel Bryan in media scrums I've heard as well. That man is Bryan Danielson. I can't mistake in that because that's the guy I saw before he came to WWE. Focused, locked in, probably a future AEW champion at some point. Really, really enjoyed this match because of physicality. And it's the best I've seen from Miro. swearing and that is mjf defeating darby allen 
That was over 20 minutes of excellent wrestling between the two. Excellent match between the two. That was just the opener. I mean, they got over 22 minutes to try to tell a story, and they did. Sting made sure that there was no outside interference, so they, it wasn't like they were circling the ring and doing all that nonsense. It was on way up the ramp, so that was just a little addition there, which we didn't need, by the way, but it happened. They wanted to make sure that Wardlow and the uh, the chairman did not interfere. Sting was there with a chair and a bat to make sure it didn't happen. But let me tell you, sometimes we forget about this because a lot of these matches that we see in AEW, WWE, Independence, everywhere else, you just try to rush through and just do, um, just get their stuff in, right? Here's a flippy move. Here's another move. Here's another move. It just goes a, a million miles an hour. Uh, up, down, up, down, side to side, A, B, A, B button, right? Here is MJF telling a story with Darby Allen that could be in any generation, 70s, 80s, 90s. MJF says, I could beat you with a side, lock, side headlock takeover. I could beat you with a side headlock takeover. And, you know, for some wrestling fans, that's a disconnect because you're not even getting that all the time, right? You're not, you're not getting some of the fundamental wrestling moves that really built the business. So for MJF to say, I'll beat you with a side headlock takeover, it's like, okay, sure you will. Sure you will. But the way that it was put together... And just the the chemistry between the two made this one of the best matches on the card. It was tremendous. And whether or not you wanted Darby to win or MJF to win, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that I loved this match because the psychology was there. It wasn't about all the how many moves they can get into one match if they get their shit in. It wasn't about that. It was about how psychology works, how MJF was able to deter the official him pulling out the ring, cheated to win one, two, three. That wasn't that was the finish, but it didn't tell the story because these two battled back and forth. It was a struggle to try to find out who's going to win this matchup, and I really, really liked that in a big way. So that's one of my favorite matches for Full Gear: Omega Page, Daniel Miro, MJF, Darby. I thought those three matches were terrific. Oh, and there was one other one that I really, really liked as well. seen so much passion between two men so much hatred and we've seen a lot of them jr oh god that's just think about this for over 15 years this animosity has been uh-oh. simmering uh-oh right off the top superplex by kingston yeah both men suffering the the ails of that superplex this match one fall 30-minute time limit. Mercifully for Punk, it looks like most of the blood has cleared out of his eyes. The blood you see on Eddie Fitz, you know by now, it's Sam Punk's blood. Our AEW fans are so astute. They know what good pro wrestling is, what it looks like, what it smells like, and what it tastes like. Look at these gladiators across the ring from one another. Stare down, baby. And they charge to center. It's like frying Takayama here in Minneapolis. Damn, this is good. I remember that fight. Oh, look at these just right hands. Ooh. 
<laughs> Kingston! High oh, boot! Kick right out of Idaho. Enzigiri drops Punk to a knee. Look at Punk, though. Didn't go all the way down. He's trying to pull himself up. Look at his eyes. Kingston disoriented by, those, by that exchange. I wonder what he's seeing. I wonder what Eddie is thinking. Fans are loving this. Calling his shot. Don't have to. Uh, oh, but. Punk. JTS! That go to sleep is absolutely deadly. But Punk, he can barely hold himself up on a rope. He's not capitalizing. You, want, you gotta wonder where, where the fatigue really sets in and you feel like you're in that deep water. Maybe now? I mean, with, the, with this type of match, the emotions, the energy is so high. Both men likely just pacing, amped up backstage. Remember, Punk has, he was out of the business, out of the game for seven years. He goes no matches. He's got back here suddenly in a big league way. And, and I, I, I don't know, how, how far can he go? I mean, where is he in his mindset? Do you want to pay this price again in your career? He's obviously stayed in great shape. Oh, Kingston went for the back fist, but it seems the adrenaline dump has set in for both men. The fatigue now becoming a factor. Kingston on roller skates, punk. Elbow strikes, drops Kingston down to his knees. Brutal. Corner of the elbow. Knows all about some of those uh, MMA stylings. Got CM Punk still training at Rufus Sport. Those knees. Those knees. Repeated knees. And now got Kingston up. Go on. Kingston won't get up from that. Well, that do it. It does do it. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, it's just amazing to me that the whole thing stems from somebody interrupting me while I'm trying to do an interview. Hopefully nobody does that tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm high as a kite right now, and I don't do drugs, so it's strictly from the, uh, the match and that audience and uh, what we do here. So, yeah, redemption? I don't know, but I sure did have a whole lot of fun. Uh, after the match, Monk, you motioned like you were going for the belt. Is that your next uh, goal or achievement? Strap season, baby. Yeah. Why not? Why not? All right, I don't know either. Nah, you yeah. did it. Punk, tell us about uh, that promo uh, with Danny Kingston a few weeks ago in Rampage. I mean, we know all about you and the promos, the pipe bombs, but what Danny Kingston did with you was great. Tell us about that. Again. Pro wrestling, man. I think when you get um, people who are, it, 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 it's it's kind of ironic, right? Because we're characters, but we're not. We're real people. You know what I mean? What you see is what you get with me. What you see is what you get with with Eddie. And the, you know, I hate peeling the curtain back, so to speak. But I used to watch professional wrestling all the time, and you know, two dudes can get into an argument, and then. 
they could fight about it. And you know, it, it didn't. It, it doesn't really have to be deeper than that. And if you can get people to relate to that stuff, you know, you can get people to relate to. Oh man, I, I was at a job one time and maybe I didn't apply myself 100%. And there's a, oh, that guy in the office that always called me out on it. And, you know, like yeah, screw that guy. And you know, vice versa. Everybody can take a side when you put me and Eddie in the ring. And I don't care what side you take. You know, it's it just you, you're going to take a side. There's going to be some situation in your life, your past, your experiences that. As you watch that on television, you're engaged, and that's you know that was the, kind of the, the, whole, the whole point. You know, I mean, Jerry Lawler used to do it all the damn time. You know, nobody's done it since, so we're we're doing it. It's old as new. Punk, the last time that we were here, we were all talking about you know you coming into the company and all of that. So now you know you've been here for a while. So I kind of want to get your thoughts on how the experience has been in terms of have you been surprised or anything, any sort of unexpected stuff. Uh, how have you been enjoying it? Man, I, I don't know if anything was a big surprise, uh, except just maybe just how consistent we are, you know. Um, you know, I, I have opinions just like the fans do. Not everybody's going to love me or what I do. I, I don't necessarily have to, you know, like everything on the TV show, but that's the whole point is we're not giving you one thing for two hours or three hours. We're giving you a variety of different things. And I think everybody who loves pro wrestling can find something that they love about the show. You know, uh, it, to me, that's the most. I don't even think it's really surprising. You know, it's just it's a breath of fresh air. It's different, and it's it's rad. You know, and it's one of the reasons I was drawn to this place. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to be here. It's one of the reasons I'm here. You heard there from CM Punk uh, as he talked about. His matchup against Eddie Kingston, man, that was hard-hitting too. And even though the build was short, I liked the action that was in the ring. I don't know if they're going to have a rematch or anything like that, but I thought that the match was interesting. Um, Eddie Kingston's story, if you didn't read the Players' Tribune, it was just that was a tremendous story. Go to the Players' Tribune and take a look at that article, and it gives you more context to who Eddie Kingston is. And um, I wish the AEW TV had more time to explain who he is. Um um, so, and I'm going to talk to Jason Powell about a lot of these things with AEW here as we review their last big show, uh, for the 2021 season. So, uh, but I thought to see him punk and Kingston tell a great story. They were out there for 11 minutes. It seemed longer, but the action was just hard, just hard hitting, right? It was almost like a quasi MMA fight in some ways too. Um, but Kingston and punk, did a really good job for the amount of time that they were allotted. I want to know whether or not it goes to a different level between these two. Kingston, he really, I guess maybe in his case, some people say if Eddie loses, it's still a victory because we were able to see him wrestle. But wouldn't it be something if Kingston would have beat CM Punk? Could have been something because Kingston telegraphed it early. If you remember the promos before this matchup, Kingston's like, "Yeah, I don't care. You know, we. I'm. I might lose. I'm just here to just beat you up. I'm just here to beat your ass." Uh, and it's kind of like, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> like, I mean, so you're pretty much telling me you're going to lose the match and you're going to beat up CM Punk, and and he did beat up CM Punk. Punk bled, um, and 
it was just a, a brawl, and that's exactly what I thought it would be. So I really like those matches. Uh, just a quick review of some of the other matches, and this is a four-hour pay-per-view, and I had no problem with it. Um, uh, I'm glad it was four hours. It was was one of their major events. I see this as one of their ten-pole events, full gear. The AEW Tag Team Championship match with the Lucha Brothers against FTR. I thought this match would be better. I thought that the match was an A plus until you got to the finish. The, the the finish was odd because you start to see FTR put on those masks as if they are um, if they are triple uh, A wrestlers with masks, right? Like they were Mexican wrestlers, and they started to put the mask on, and I just thought that that was just kind of it lost me because if you're gonna do the killer B gimmick with B Brian Blair and uh, Jim Bronzel the way they used to do the mask gimmick. It's kind of like, okay, so you have to have some kind of misdirection, right? One wrestler has to put on a mask. The other one's got to put on the re- the mask. The referee has to figure out who's legal. And then there's kind of this way of just trying to convolute the, the finish there. I just thought that it was kind of overthought. It was not a great finish. Um, I, I think the right team won in Lucha Brothers. But I just thought that the ending was a little clunky. It just almost, almost like there was a lot of great moments in the match, right? Great ebb and flow, back and forth. Um, a lot of near falls where FTR almost won the AEW Tag Team Championships. But then the end was just kind of weird. Like, why is one guy got a mask on? And you, we know which one's which. And it's it's kind of like, yeah, it just it was just kind of an odd finish. So that's why it was good, but it could have been great. The old switcheroo of the legal man just didn't seem to work. Especially with one of the guys underneath the ring. Like, it just... I don't know what they're trying to do there. Uh, Christian Cage and Jurassic Express against the Super Click. Falls count anywhere. Um, thought this was, um, a, obviously, for what it was, a lot of chairs and a lot of tables that's thrown out there. You just knew it was going to be crazy. Um, one of the few times where the Young Bucks are involved in a match, and it was a, it was quite the brawl, a lot of spots, but that's exactly what this match called for. So it's what I thought it was going to be when you have a false Count Anywhere matchup. Good. Um, not great, but good. It was a spectacle for sure. Cody Rhodes and Pac against Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo. Hmm. So, you know, once again, Cody Rhodes gets booed. Everywhere he goes down, he gets booed. And even though he's coming across as this supreme baby face, he takes his weight belt off, gives it to um, a special needs gentleman. And that didn't seem to <laughs> that didn't seem to make the crowd happy uh, down the stretch here in this matchup. So it's Cody Rhodes and Pac, and Pac has just been on a roll right now. Every match he's in, he's excellent, right? So Cody Rhodes and Pac taking on Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo. And I thought that this matchup was solid. Uh, again, not great. Love what I see from Pac when I see him wrestle. So that's pretty solid. Uh, Malachi Black is just on a roll right now. So no no surprise there. I'm wondering if Cody Rhodes and Pac are if they're going to be a tag team moving forward. Um, and I, I don't know the, if that's going to be the case. But, I, I that again, this match was solid. Uh, not great. Um and again, Cody Rhodes is in it, so sometimes he gets a little convoluted. Um, let's move on to the inner circle against Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, Junior Dos Santos, Orlovsky, and Dan Lambert in the Minneapolis street fight. Again, what's really the difference between this Minneapolis street fight and the matchup I told you earlier about Falls Count Anywhere? 
See, it gets redundant after a while, right? So you have two matches that are kind of the same. And so uh, the, the match was fine. It, it was not great, It was, but it was fine. Um, I was impressed by Junior Dos Santos. Uh, I was impressed by him. He's not an embarrassment in there. Actually, if they give him more seasoning, he could be a regular uh, on the AEW roster. Obviously, he needs a lot more work, but he was not an embarrassment out there. Love to see the 81-year-old Baron Von Raschke put the claw <laughs> on Ethan Page. It was good to see him. I grew up watching the Baron from the AWA. He still lives in the in the Midwest. I believe he lives in Wisconsin, but he came in for this matchup and for this card. Here. And so he got a, a spot in the show where he was able to put the claw on. I thought that that was fun. Uh, Lambert was very good in his manager spots. Uh, Lambert is not a professional wrestler, but because he's, he talks a good game, he's forced into the matchup. So, I mean, there's heat on Lambert, and I think people enjoyed that. But, you know, here here's the thing. Jericho and a number of other, you know, Dyla Rose and others, they were trying to pay tribute to Eddie Guerrero, and I can understand why. Eddie Guerrero died in Minneapolis in a hotel not too far away from the Target Center where this uh, show emanated from. I know for a certain generation of wrestling fans, they look at Eddie Guerrero as like one of the tops that ever wrestled. and But, you know, there is tributes and then there's over the top, right? So we saw a number of frog splashes. I mean, like three or four matches where frog splashes were involved to give Eddie Guerrero the rub, to to give him a tribute. And like the three amigos, I think we saw that several times on this card where there's the three suplexes. And it's like, okay, bro, like there has to be some kind of creative control here. Like every, every match can't have an Eddie Guerrero spot in it. Um, we, I think we all appreciate what Eddie Guerrero brought to the table as a wrestler. I just thought that that was fascinating that we saw so much of it on this card. You know, I, so here's where I'm talking about Jericho at the end. Uh, the finish was him giving a frog splash to um, Dan Lambert. And I thought, okay. And then he was looking up in the sky and kept looking up in the sky and all this. And it's kind of like, okay, like we understand that Eddie was your friend. I just thought that if anyone's going to do it, right, if anyone's going to do it, it's Chris Jericho because they were friends. But I saw this in multiple matches and I was just kind of like, okay, at some point there's a way for you to do a video tribute or like in the match, like all these Eddie Guerrero spots I thought were very, just very odd to me. That's all. And again, the match was just, it was just there. I thought it was redundant with the other matchup. So, you know, it, it was what it was. Chris Jericho again in, in a schmaz and a whole bunch of, Gaga in a matchup. It's not like we've never seen that before. Uh, good to see Jay Lethal is going to be in AEW. That was a nice announcement for him to just roll out there as uh, he's going to be part of the All Elite crew. And immediately he goes into a matchup against Sammy Guevara. Well, that's quick. I mean, he comes from off of Ring of Honor TV and right into a TNT Championship matchup against Sammy Guevara. Well, I mean, if it's a Jay Lethal match, it should be one of the best matches on that card on Wednesday night and Dynamite, but we will see. Uh, but that is probably one of the best matches Sammy's going to ever have against Jay Lethal because that guy is a monster. He is a terrific wrestler. And uh, after his time with TNA and his time with Ring of Honor, it's good that the veteran has an opportunity for the TNT Championship. It's soon, uh, but he at least he's going to be all elite for 
Wednesday night. All right. So I really enjoyed this pay-per-view. I thought it was very, very solid. And, uh, you know, for the last pay-per-view of the year for AEW, you know, they got their champion and Adam Page. I thought that that was a great match, as I mentioned. And just um, I, I want to I'll point out one other thing is and that is the women's match for the AEW Women's Championship with Dr. Brett Baker uh, and her matchup against um, against Ty Conti. Just something very quickly about this. Do you know why Ty Conti had the title shot? Because of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. If you're an avid listener of this podcast, you know why she got the title shot. Do you remember when I had Tony Khan on? I told him there's two wrestlers when I was in Chicago and in Milwaukee that got huge pops. I said, you're producing, Tony, but I'm in the crowd with the fans. Two people. I told him, Dante Martin. He goes, oh, yeah, I do. I knew it was Dante Martin. I said, the other one's Ty Conte. He goes, oh, do you remember him saying that? He said that on this program, on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, he didn't know that I was going to say Ty Conte. Because Dante Martin always gets a pop. He means 20 years old. He's a, a phenom already as far as what he can do in the ring. But I say Ty Conte. And guess what? From the interview, take a look at the one loss record from Ty Conti since I told him that the biggest pops in Chicago and in Milwaukee came from Ty Conti. First of all, she looks tremendous. And, and on top of that, she's a tremendous wrestler that brings something different to the table, good looking, and has all that Muay Thai and all the different type of uh, uh, wrestling and um, uh, fighting techniques that she brings. Now, I didn't think the match was great by any stretch, but I thought that Ty Conti took it up another level. She was pretty stiff, I thought, on Dr. Britt Baker. But again, it wasn't uh, the greatest match I've seen uh, yet in AEW from the women's division. So just understand, Ty Conti, you owe me because I put you in that spot. Because I told Tony Khan the biggest pops came from you in Chicago, one of the biggest pops. And he goes, ah, and all of a sudden, she's in the title picture. So I'm happy for her. <laughs> I'm definitely happy for her. Hey, uh, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday brought to you by Manscaped.com. Manscaped.com. I told you guys, if you have not ordered, you should do that. For below-the-waist men's grooming and for that ear and nose hair and that nastiness around your ear, your ears and your nose and your armpits, let me tell you, the Lawnmower 4.0, the uh, the ball deodorizer, your balls will thank you. Uh, go to Manscaped.com, use the promo code HOOD, H-O-O-D, you get 20% off. It's a great gift for you or someone else. Just use my promo code HOOD, Manscaped.com. They'll get a box filled with goodies from Manscaped.com and also buy Boxers. They bring you boxers as well from Manscaped. Hey, just tell them Jonathan Hood sent you. Use a promo code HOOD. All right, here's my conversation now with Jason Powell from the Twin Cities. He covers pro wrestling like a blanket for prowrestling.net. Uh, let's reach out now to Jason Powell, and we'll talk more about AW Full Gear in this extended edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. What an amazing event in the Twin Cities for AEW Full Gear. Jason Powell, my friend from the Twin Cities, was there from ProWrestling.net. As we have our conversation, go to ProWrestling.net. He joins me, Jonathan Hood, on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here on ESP in Chicago. Jason, as always, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. It's great to be here. I know what happened. You saw the Baron. You saw AWA, and you're like, I got to call Powell. Well, he's exactly right. I mean, when the Baron shows up, and by the way, ageless, by the way, him and J.J. Dillon, they never age. How does that happen? 
I know. Barron's looked as him and Arn Anderson. We got to throw him in there. Yeah. Much like Brock Anderson, looks like he's in his 40s, even though he's like 23, 24 years old. Right. His father has looked the same age now for like 35 years. <laughs> it, it is amazing, right? I'm, I've seen the Baron. And you know what? Listen, if, if it's me, I'm selling the claw a little bit longer. You know, I mean, it's the Baron. He's in the front row. I think he should have had the claw on for at least five minutes. That's what I would have thought. Yeah, they should just be having him let go right about now. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly right. Ethan Page, I'm down on him because he should have let that claw happen for a long time. I tweeted at you on on Saturday, and I said, you know, the first match, the first official match, MJF against Darby Allen, that would trump anything Vern would have had in the AWA because usually that was Steve Olsenowski against Buck Zumhoff in a draw. So and this is the, the best opening match, I think, in Minneapolis wrestling history, I would say. Yeah. Exactly. It's exactly right. Well, I just want to get your overall thoughts on on full gear. First of all, the choice of coming to the Twin Cities, a great wrestling city, as you and I both know, because you're there. I just like the idea that it was in Minneapolis. It's a shot in the arm, I think, for the city to have great wrestling cards again. And it wasn't supposed to be here. That's the funny thing. They've been kind of. I was kind of holding out on coming here. I don't know if they'll ever admit to it. But apparently their pay-per-view numbers are, you know, they kind of get the breakdown of where they do well. And I'm guessing TV ratings factor in as well. And that's kind of how they gauge where they go. And for some reason, Minnesota hasn't been kind to them. And because if you recall, it was supposed to be the previous weekend in St. Louis. But then they ran and thought they were going to run up against a big UFC show and a boxing event. And I'm guessing the venue in St. Louis wasn't available. And so they made the switch and decided to come here. And I'm happy they did. It was a great time. Uh, a legit sellout, correct? No. It may, okay, so it may be a sellout in terms of how many tickets they released. Uh-huh. But I could look up in the you know, up in the, the nosebleeds and there were rows of empty seats. So it wasn't like full building sellout mm-hmm. but I think they left I, I think they can get away with saying it was a sellout because they, they only released so many tickets but I had a really good turnout it was I'm guessing 10, 11,000 or you know, I, you know what I think they, they set it up for 12 and they could have gone more so probably 12,000 and some change and then the thing that worked against them too was on the day of the show we got our first snowball yeah. and so of course everyone in Minnesota even though they should be more than used to it acts like they've never seen snow before and just, <laughs> you know, curl, just curls up in the field position and, and wouldn't go get the uh, same day tickets to, so no walk up crowd for this one so the, the, the always the sign Jason for any of these major events and I would say that full, full gear is it's a Starcade, I would say, or maybe the Survivor Series in this case for uh, for AEW. Could you tell whether or not there were fans from out of town that came in? Because if they flew into the event, that's a step in the right direction for AEW, isn't it? Yeah, and there were some. Um, I, I know this because at Rampage the night before, you know, just killing some time, Justin Roberts was asking people, you know, or anybody from this this area, this area, and, and pretty much every place he mentioned got some sort of a reaction. So, yeah, and, of course, when he mentioned Wisconsin, that got booze from me. But, uh, <laughs> other than that, yeah, it seemed, you know, he mentioned North Carolina, South Carolina, the Dakotas, and uh, there, was, there were people reacting. So I think there were a lot of people that did travel in from various places, maybe not as much as you'd get for an all-out or double or nothing where it's, you know, Chicago and Vegas and all that. But um, I, I think 
So uh, with Adam Page, Hangman Adam Page winning the AEW championship against Kenny Omega, one of my criticisms for AEW, and again, it's a new company, so they're going to learn, especially if they last, Jason, is matches versus story. I can, I, I mean, with this roster, you could put it together 100 dream matches, and I think that it'll get over. But my criticism at times with AEW is, hey, you know, you've, your, your pay-per-views are quarterly or every other month you have big events so i think that you have room for story would you consider adam page and kenny omega like the longest storyline do you consider that a real built-in long-form story or did it feel a little choppy to you at times it definitely felt choppy at times there's people that will rave about this and call you know the greatest story ever told and i'm not in that camp i think they told a good story that just and it got pushed aside at different times and didn't, like, it all kind of came together nicely with the Dark Order in the moment after the show, but I, I wasn't a big fan of all of that while it was happening. It seemed like they got a really good reaction from the being the elite crowd for that, mm -hmm. but I just never completely got into, okay, this is the future world champion hanging out with a group that just doesn't come off as big league all the time. And like I say, it came together nicely with the post-match celebration, them hoisting him up and all. But there were times when he was with them where I was like, boy, they're bringing him down. Yeah, so the the birth of of the of their, his child, I think, interrupted whatever story that they were trying to tell. I just think that AEW had to masterfully put this all together for it to make sense because, of, you know, a three-year storyline, it didn't seem like a three-year storyline because of Adam Page being with the Dark Order, Kenny Omega with Don, Don Cal. It just, it didn't seem to all come together. Obviously, the culmination was in Minneapolis, but the point is, though, is that for someone to tell me, well, this has been a three-year story. It doesn't feel like it to me. So I, I guess moving forward, they'll continue this storyline, right? Because I'm sure Omega's going to want his rematch. Yeah, I don't think we're done with it. I mean, obviously, Brian Danielson seems to be next in line. And they'll probably... I don't know if that's going to be TV, but they saved that for their special that they're doing in January on TNT. They have this three-hour kind of Clash of Champions-like special. I think three hours. Mm -hmm. I guess I don't even know off the top of my head. Um... So, uh, yeah, but it does sound like there's more to come with Kenny and Paige down the road. And I guess, you know, in fairness to them, if you're going to do a two, three-year story, you can't make it, it can't be front and center for the entire two or three years. And so, while I don't think it was this, you know, this amazingly told story like some people do, it was a good story. And it peaked at the end. And, you know, yeah, they did have to push it back. It was supposed to take place Labor Day weekend. Um, but I don't think that really changed a lot. Mm -hmm. you know, it just kind of pushed the match and the title change back to the next pay-per-view. The uh, AEW Women's Championship with Dr. Brick Baker uh, against Ty Conti. So maybe it's just my TV or when I'm in the arena seeing Dr. Brick Baker. There is a, a really stark difference to me, Jason, in, say, Dr. Britt Baker matches and, say, Charlotte or Sasha Banks or even Bianca Belair at times. I understand there's different styles there, but is it just me or is it that this particular match and other matches that Dr. Britt Baker's had, she's been impressive, but the matches aren't necessarily smooth. Like, I thought that this was a solid match, uh, better than average. But have you seen what you would consider, wow, that is a classic Dr. Britt Baker match where you say, boy, she's on the top of her game? One, and it doesn't officially count. It was the match with Thunder Rosa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which was the big ball. I'm with 
um, and, well, I'll ask, do you think it's the opponent or her? I think both. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, I remember talking with Britt. I interviewed her ahead of All In. And just to give you an idea, I mean, she's been wrestling for a while, obviously, but to give you an idea of her experience level, that was the first time she'd ever been in a, I think it was a four-way match. or any, I don't think she'd been in a triple threat even. I think she'd kind of been limited to mostly singles matches, which makes sense considering where she was at in her development. And she was very nervous about that. You know, she was open about having never done this before and, and having to go in their biggest stage of her career and having to do this four-way. And they really pulled it off. But I, do, I think it just shows she doesn't have as much experience as some of the people you mentioned. Bianca's kind of a freak. You know, she's just yeah. an athletic freak. And it, it's amazing what she's been able to do. I don't think Britt is bad. I just think she gets overrated in some circles. It's based on the promo. And by the way, that's nothing wrong with that. If your promo is exactly where it needs to be, then the wrestling has to be able to follow up too. So I, I get that. I, and you know what? I'll give her room to grow. I just think that yes. just because she has the championship, I'm just trying to determine whether or not the championship's making her or she's making the championship. And so with more time, more seasoning, I guess that'll come, right? I think so, yeah. Uh, you, would, you would think with her working now, something too, if, I think early on it was the caliber of people she was working with in some cases. You know, they're, but they're, they've added to the vision. I think working with Ruby Soho, for instance, is really going to help her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first match I was mentioning this to you earlier about MJF and Darby Allen. You know, just the psychology of that, it puts me in a position where I could put this as one of the top matches on the card just because of what MJF put out there first. I love that, Jason. He says, you know, I could beat you with a side headlock takeover. And apparently apparently he's done this in PWG, which I was not uh, familiar with, but he's done this same angle. And I just thought the psychology, you could put this in any decade and it would work. I, I love that match. I don't know. What did you think? Loved it. Yeah, I thought it was outstanding. I, I really enjoyed that. And I expected it to be good. I did not expect it to be that good. I didn't even know if they did. Once I saw them open the show, it was kind of like, oh, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much time they're going to get here. And instead, they gave them you know, a lot of time. I think 20 minutes, north of 20 minutes. Yes. Give or take. Um, and they did a great job of filming it. That was one of my favorite matches of the night by far. And I felt like the, a couple of the matches that, that followed had a hard time living up to that. I, I've been on these media calls, and so have you, with Cody Rhodes when he has the opportunity. A lot of times, it's Tony doing a lot of talking, but with Cody Rhodes, he's been talking. And one of the things that seems to uh, resonate every time that he speaks is, you know, I don't, I'm not really into the wrestling tired tropes of, you know, um, bad guy and good guy or baby face or heel. He's, he says he's unfazed by the booing that he's receiving Jason, you know that's not true, right? I mean, you know, if, if he is anything like Doc, D- Dusty Rhodes, he is affected by the booing. Um, I remember in uh, in Turner Broadcasting when <laughs> on a Saturday there was a section of fans booing Dusty Rhodes during the promo, and he just like brought the camera over to the fans and pointed at the fans and says, "I don't care if you're uh, booing at me or not, you can get out of here." Right? He was pissed off as a babyface that he's getting booed. I, do you believe Cody when he says, I'm not concerned because he's doing everything he can to be a babyface and he's booed out of every building, Cena style? Hell no, I don't believe him. Cena was the only guy. You know, he changed that because it wasn't uncommon back in the day for a babyface who was getting booed to start lashing out at fans. And it wasn't scripted in most cases. You know, it was just Shawn Michaels was famous for it. He threw a tantrums at 
I'm forgetting someone. But when I hear Cody say stuff like that, BS. He, he desperately wants to be cheered and loved by all. Unless all of this is some elaborate thing and he's saying he doesn't want to turn heel, knowing full well that he's going to. Uh-huh. I go back and forth on that. I don't think he is. I think he should, but I don't think he wants to. And I don't really understand his logic behind it. You know, if it wasn't for the popular song, Jason Powell, this would be Chris Jericho being booed. I have, I mean, look at what's happening with his career. I mean, come on. I mean, after being the AEW champion, he is just glomming on to anything that's hot, anything that's popular. You know, and, and, and being with the inner circle is great. He's with a lot of great athletes. But just, I just think that Chris Jericho and what's going on with him now is a lot different than when he was the AEW champion. He, he involves himself in a lot of these storylines and now with MMA uh, fighters as well. I think that, Chris Jericho would be getting the uh, the booze and the raspberries from fans if it wasn't for how popular the song that he has. Maybe. You know, Jericho, he's just been so popular with, no matter if he's been, even if they love him, hate him. Yeah. He's been so popular with fans for so long that, I, yeah, it's, I, I don't know that he would be, but I think a case could be made that he should be. <laughs> given some of the, some of the things he, he's... And I think both guys are making kind of similar plays. Jericho's had a little bit better grasp on what's going to work. You know, putting himself in there in the, the death match, for instance. Not for everybody, but those who do like it, loved it. Right. And it was something completely unexpected for Chris Jericho. Where Cody, he puts himself in there with Anthony and Gogo and QT Marshall. And it's just... People didn't want to see that. They don't want to see Cody have two entrance theme songs. They don't want to see Cody, even now that he's apparently trying to win us over, they don't want to see, okay, someone's going to make a save. Regular people are going to run down the stage. Cody's going to make a special entrance through the crowd because apparently he was buying a pretzel. It doesn't make any sense. But it just made, and that's, it's things like that. I had somebody in the media section, like, I can't understand why people are booing him. I'm like, I could give you a hundred reasons with ease. There's plenty of reasons, and he just seems oblivious, or again, maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. Maybe it's all part of some elaborate plan to turn heel, and if it is, good for him. That's, I mean, hopefully that is the case, because, listen, on the surface... You see a hot wife who's an executive. You have your own TV show. You're on a game show. You're the son of, of Dusty Rhodes. You're you know you're you're in the back and you are you have the marionette strings pretty much around AEW next to Tony Khan. So I mean, people look at that and they say, well, this is the next Triple H because you're living Triple H's life in a lot of ways in that way. So maybe that's why there's not a lot of sympathy from fans. A guy that's trying to be a babyface that's not getting over. So trying too hard. Yeah. And I think there's going to be some resentment, too, of, okay, if this were almost anybody else and they were getting booed, the company would just say, okay, let's turn him heel. But Cody doesn't want to, so he gets special treatment. That is not going to endear him to the people he wants to have cheer him. It's going to turn them off. I was not uh, privy to Eddie Kingston's life and his background until I saw the Players' Tribune. Jason, that is, if no one has seen that, by the way, I, we ask you to go to the Players' Tribune and check out the piece written about Eddie Kingston, penned by him, talking about his life, and he takes on CM Punk. Man, I, I, I don't like that it was rushed two-week build into it, but I like that I got a nice payoff, and hopefully this will continue, but I love the Eddie Kingston story as he takes on CM Punk. I think it was a, sm- a short build, but I liked how what I read and researched before the matchup took place. 
love that piece that you referenced. Yeah. I definitely highly recommend it. I, a lot of, there's been a lot of grumbling about how quick that came together. And I'm kicking myself for not asking that at the media's room if that was by design. Because, yeah, I mean, you'd think these two great talkers could have this epic series of back and forth, but there is something to be said for, wow, this is really combustible. These two can't stand each other, and it came together really quickly, never had a chance to get old. I wonder if it was on purpose. You know what? I, I, well, I think that that would give people an understanding of who Eddie Kingston was. Look, uh, the one thing about this company at times, Jason, is that they think everyone's smart. That everyone knows about, oh, this guy's from the Indies. Oh, this guy's from Mexico. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're supposed to know, right? You know, right? No, I don't. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Uh, some of us actually, you know, work for a living or some of us, uh, you know, are, are into wrestling and we cover it for a living. And so we get a chance to know. But you, I think that the mistake from Tony Khan at times is, well, if I just bring this guy in from New Japan or from AAA, oh, they, they, the audience knows who these people are. Well, that's, the, that's what WWE always does well. They explain to you who these wrestlers are, even in their own image. If they have to change the image, they will tell you from the beginning, here's who this person is. This is why you should care. You just can't just roll people in from, you know, from the indies and just say, well, this is who this guy is. You should care. I mean, that you have to be able to take them enough time to explain. I think that that is uh, to the detriment of AEW at times for the casual fan. Amen. It absolutely is. It's the same issue that I've had with Ring of Honor over the years. Mm-hmm. You feel late to the party. You don't want to make your audience feel late to the party. And that's oftentimes, Ring of Honor would bring in somebody from the indie scene that, it, I mean, maybe is a big deal in their area and just super fans out there. And that's it. And act like everyone should know who they are. And then leave it to the broadcast team to fill in the gaps. It's the same mistake now that AEW is making. I don't like it. There's a lot of great things about AEW, but WWE, there's there's things that obviously are not so great with them. But you mentioned they do bring you up to speed. And I think another thing AEW can learn from WWE is those video packages. Yeah, yeah if you're watching the show every week, it might get tiresome to see video packages recapping what you've already seen. But AEW is a growing company, and they seem to be having a hard time getting past this initial wave of whatever number it is that, that the, the diehard fans who are watching every week, you have them. Start thinking about the fans you don't have. Make it easier for them. They're not watching every single week. Make it easy for them to know who the new people are. Make it easy for them to catch up if they've missed a week's worth of shows by giving them a video package that brings them up to speed. There's reasons that WWE does certain things and, and does them so well, and I think a company like AEW can learn from those things. Uh, and if you don't believe us, listen to Jim Ross's commentary. <laughs> or he, he has to ask Excalibur, what's this whole thing with the Lucha Brothers? What's with these hand signals? Well, if, the, if one of the broadcasters doesn't know, then maybe that says a lot for some of the audience that doesn't know either. So that's... And unfortunately, John, they just... There's this internal belief, I think, not with everybody, but with some people, that ah, it's just Jim Ross being crotchety Jim Ross, and they don't listen to it because they're living in the bubble. JR's not living in that bubble. No. The things he can be crotchety about the his own, I'm sure. But there are plenty of things that he's not. He's trying to teach them lessons, and they need to learn those lessons. All right, Jason, where where do you place the danielson Miro match amongst the best you saw on Saturday? Not as high as I would like. Really? I liked it. Yeah, I, I did enjoy it. I had really high expectations for it. 
you know, some of it, again, is on my expectations. And it's not a match I've gone back and watched yet. I've only had time to go back and watch a couple of different matches. Um, but that one I do want to check out again. Maybe I'll feel differently the second time. I, like I said, I enjoyed it. I'm not trying to sell it short. I didn't think it was as good as the main event. I didn't think it was as good as the opener. I didn't think it was as good as Punk and Kingston. Those come to mind as, as my favorite matches on the show. All right, so as we wrap up pretty much 2021 here, because this is the last major event, uh, what are your thoughts of AEW coming on the other side of the pandemic and uh, running arenas again? What would you say the the uh, focus is for AEW moving forward? I think to regain some of the lost audience, some of it is due to the baseball playoffs and the NBA. And you're, you know, you're always going to run into the NBA and now the NHL on TNT and Tony Khan has admitted that, yeah, they're moving to TBS, but it doesn't mean they're never going to be preempted again. Because I'm looking at it going, you can say you're not going to be preempted, but come on. Yes. If the NBA and NHL playoffs, at some point, you're, they're, they're going to need more than just TNT. And so there's still going to be preemptions, but I do think they've went through a stretch here with these Saturday shows where you've lost some of the more casual viewers. So I think regain some of the casual viewers you've lost, but also keep adding casual viewers. You have the diehard audience and be true to them, take good care of them, but don't make them the center of everything where it can't. You're making everybody else feel late to the party. You have to keep expanding and they've done some great things. You know, as much as we're kind of grumbling about certain aspects, I really enjoy the product and, and I want to see it grow. And that's why I hope they take the necessary steps. I, uh, I said this, Jason, and I'll say this lastly. I, I've said on this program, I'm sure you said this as well, ProWrestling.net, do not make mistakes of the past. I know that there's a lot of free agents out there, but don't, I don't want to have, you and I have this conversation in three to five years and say, you remember Jungle Boy? Remember MJF? Remember, remember those guys that were in their 20s? Remember Anna Jay? Remember some of these wrestlers that were 25 and younger that were supposed to be the future, and they and all of a sudden it got top-heavy with Ring of Honor stars and all the free agents that WWE uh, released that's the mistake that we've seen in WCW. We've seen this in TNA. You just don't want to forget about your young core along with the veterans. You don't have to stockpile uh, 20 or 25 more wrestlers that are veterans looking for the big payday versus trying to grow young wrestlers. But this is the Bischoff made the mistake. Actually, in both organizations, <laughs> and, and WCW and TNA. So hopefully, um, hopefully Tony has seen that and won't be doing that for the future. Agreed. And I, and I want to add to it and say that I hope that they find a way to reach out to the family audience. I don't know what your experience is. I've just been to the two shows. Mm-hmm. But it really was surprising to look around the building both nights and see so few families. Like there were some kids there. Hardly any. And I'm not saying you need to turn this into PG product or anything like that, but you're doing something that's keeping those people away. Figure out what it is. And again, you don't have to be WWE PG, but you can tone down certain aspects. You know, Chris Jericho doesn't need to cuss every week for his Yeah. Uh, so what is it, you know, what is it you're doing to not that you're not attracting those types of fans. It's great you have a young male audience and, and that's all well and good and they're going to grow up with you. That's great. But so do children and they're around a lot longer if you can hook them now. Randall DeGrave is Linda McMahon famously said. So I think, <laughs> yeah, that's an area where there, there's still room for growth. Yeah, well, um, you and I do a million podcasts and I'll do shows on SiriusXM as well. I can swear I don't have to every show. 
You so that yeah. same thing with AEW. Yes, you're on cable. Yes, you can do it. Doesn't mean you have to, uh, especially when it's not impactful. So I, I totally understand your point there. Well, I mean, of course you like to go. You mean you're a Vikings fan. Of course you like to swear. Yes, I think some of my first words were hearing, you know, family members cussing and swearing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's uh, definitely a family trait. You have done so so uh, many podcasts and, and shows around Full Gear and other things that's happening. If I go to ProWrestling.net, what would I find, Jason? Oh, man, probably a live review of some television show if there's one on, that's for sure. So, <laughs> live review, and, you know, we don't just run the report where it's like, you're, you will be who. So, if you see the show, you'll get that. If you miss the show, you'll get that. But you also get our live commentary. Uh, just an instant reaction to what we're seeing on pay-per-view shows and television shows uh, from all the major groups, many of them in you know, live reviews of Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, Rampage, for instance. And then also just you know, get your news fix. Uh, you can get my hit list as well, where I kind of run through the shows and give hits and misses to each of the matches and segments from those major television shows and pay-per-views. So uh, if you need a wrestling fix, we have you covered at ProWrestling.net. ProWrestling.net, indeed. Well, oh, you're still watching Raw. Wow, I can't believe that. Wow. It's been a little better. It's just a little. <laughs> I'm not hating life by the end of the three hours in these last two weeks. After a whole year of just like, why am I doing this? It's been a little better. Thank you for the Bockwinkle retrospective, too, by the way, because that's my guy, Nick Bockwinkle. Thank you very much for Nick that. Nick was the man. Yes, that was my guy. Still my guy. Loved him. Well, Jason, I'm glad you spent some time, and uh, hope again we'll get a chance to talk soon. But I just, hey, it's in the Twin Cities. Of course I'm going to call, Paul. There's Baron. There's Twin Cities Wrestling. Of course I'm calling you, the first person I called. And it's a miracle. You called me after a Viking win. That's, <laughs> that's very, that's true. You're still in the hunt. <laughs> so, kind of. yes. yeah, not, uh, yeah, sure. I got we're still a team. They haven't moved us or anything, so that's, that's good, I guess. <laughs> Jason, thank you, man. Thanks for coming on with the show, as always.